Hey there, I'm Taylor. And I'm Felice, and welcome back to Drunk Poet Society. Uh, we hope that you are all set to give us your feedback, as we are going to give you all of our opinions today of Christopher Moore's Lamb, the Gospel According to Biff, Christ's Childhood Pal. I really hope you guys enjoy this book, because I I always laugh in public when I'm reading Christopher Moore. It's, oh, they're yeah. such good reads. And this is probably my, my third time around with this book. Yes. It might be my most recommended book, Yeah, I think, when people talk about books that they, they're like, oh, I want to read something funny, I need something light, but, you know, you want a book that has heart, and you're going to find that in this book. Maybe not all of Christopher Moore's books have that kind of, like, heart element to it, but Lamb certainly does. For sure. And of course, to accompany our read of Lamb, uh, we created a cocktail, and it's kind of our version of a cocktail, and it's called Joshua, Corpse Reviver. <laughs> um, basically, we found a bunch of recipes for uh, different cocktails called, like, Corpse Reviver 1 and Corpse Reviver 2, <laughs> and uh, we just made our own version. So the recipe for that one is uh, one and a half ounces of Geniversity barrel-aged gin, which I'd like to give a little shout out to Geniversity because I found them in Margaret River, Western Australia, and I brought home this bottle, and it's a really beautiful rosy color. Uh, it's just a little bit different than your standard gins. Um, half ounce of triple sec, half ounce of lemon juice, freshly squeezed, uh, and a splash of vermouth, and just a dash of bitters, and you've got yourself a Joshua Corpse Reviver. And as you'll see from the Instagram, which we will obviously, just like usual, put the recipe uh, with, uh, you'll see that it's a nice, like, kind of peachy, rosy color, and that's a combination of the beautiful color of the gin, as well as the uh, nice little dash of bitters kind of yeah. gives it a little color. And we were kind of debating if we wanted to just do like a glass of wine and find like, you know, an appropriate bottle that has like <laughs> some kind of pun related to, I don't know, Water Jesus, wine, the Bible, you know. I don't know, whatever. But we thought we'd go class and we put them in some martini glasses. Mm -hmm. So feeling, feeling kind of fancy. Yeah. So cheers, folks. Yes. Um, so let's get started maybe with like a little synopsis of lamb and yeah? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great idea. Okay. Well, basically, based on the title, it's, you know, it's the, a missing gospel in the Bible. And there's a big chunk of the Bible that doesn't describe uh, Jesus's life or Joshua's life, and that's his teenage years. There's just a big chunk missing. And so uh, Biff is uh, Joshua's childhood best friend, and he is taken by an angel, and in my head, I call him Raziel or Raziel? Raziel. Raziel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, until I hear it out loud, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but basically, Raziel the angel, who also uh, has another role in some of other Christopher Moore books. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it? The Stupidest Angel? Yes. Yes. I so. <laughs> um, takes him to a hotel room and is like, Biff, you have to write this gospel. We're trying to put together the Bible um, or fill in like all the mix missing sections. And so that's where Biff is writing down all his escapades with Jesus or his friend Josh. <laughs> so he starts like back from birth because essentially like if you've read any of the gospels in the New Testament you kind of know what happens around Jesus's birth and then you know maybe about 30 years later we come back and we're like oh look he's preaching and he's going around. Um, but it's really interesting seeing the childhood relationships and you know you've got the the character of Mary Magdalene that comes in like when they're children and yeah. she ends up being like this point of contention between them. And I love how they just call her Maggie. Yeah, just Maggie. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. It's so cute. Um, yeah, I probably first discovered this book from my brother. Shout out to Casey. Um, he, he's a big Christopher Moore fan and I've probably read it two or three times now and, um, I laugh every time, but, um, when, uh, like towards the beginning of the book, no, so no crazy spoilers yet, but, um, oh yeah. So basically, uh, he finds out he, he's trying to read the Bible. He's trying to read the rest of the Bible because he's sitting in this hotel room and, you know, throughout the book, he's just like super bored and he, he's in the bathroom pretending that he has a like an overactive bladder and he finishes the gospel of Matthew um, and he's like I don't know who the Matthew is that wrote this but it certainly wasn't our Matthew um, he and he pretty much pokes fun at Matthew and he's like um, I know um, I was his best friend and Matthew just didn't mention me at all throughout all the and it just jumps it's like nothing even happened until uh, Joshua got baptized like it's just <laughs> and he's just complaining about how the Bible's written the whole time. So it Um, does have a lot about, you know, Joshua and Biff's childhood with Maggie and so on. But as they get older and they've done their apprenticeships, which, you know, also another point, Biff did not want the job that he had. He just wanted to be like the village fool, essentially, or something. Um, But their whole, the whole like driving plot line is that they're trying to find the three, you know, wise men, essentially, that were at the birth of Joshua in order to, like, help him learn how to be the Messiah. He's like, yeah. I'm the Messiah. I need to learn how to do this. And there are quite a few hijinks. Yeah. yeah, along the way, it's just all the little things, like, uh, first of all, you know, Joshua trying to convince people or tell Biff or convince other people that he's the Messiah. <laughs> and one of my favorite bits in the beginning is uh, when he... I think it's a lizard that like, mm-hmm. dies, and then he brings yep. the lizard back to life, and he's like, watch this, and he, like, kills the lizard, and then he brings it back to life, and then, uh, I think somewhere in that chapter, as well as one of our other potential cocktails, I was gonna say was an espresso martini for this, because there's the scene where, uh, Joshua tries coffee for the first time, and he's just, like, bringing things back to life, and you're healed, and you're this, and, like, oh, now you can see, and he's just walking around all hyped up on caffeine, which I thought was hilarious. I think the lizard thing was, like, Biff's little brother or Josh it was one of the two of them younger sibling and kept like smooching it with oh, rocks yeah. they were like and Joshua kept I want to say he put it in his mouth for the first time to like learn that he could in fact re- oh man oh it's just so good um there's another instance when they're children where they come upon Maggie I believe with the asp uh. and uh you know, Joshua is able to, you know, command him essentially to, you know, like, chill out, don't attack these people, and Biff still is on the fence. He's like, yeah, but I, I still don't really know. Like, are you the Messiah? Yeah. Show me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and usually we put, like, a little spoiler thing in here, but to be honest, it's one of those stories where it's it's kind of... I mean, you know the ending. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's a well-known story. Yeah, there's, there's no real, real secret there. Before I think before we dive in to more... Yeah. <laughs> more. Um, <laughs> what I thought was interesting, too, is that when Raziel, or Raziel, whatever we're we calling call him, Raziel. Um, when he brings Biff into the hotel room at the beginning, his, like, last memory was his last memory being alive. Like, Mm -hmm. he didn't have any memories of, you know, just, like, chilling in heaven or not. Like, that was... Am I mistaken? Do I remember that correctly? No, yeah, yeah. that's... Yeah, it's just all of a sudden he's there. Yeah, so the fact that it is kind of a theological book and they don't really touch on that very much, at least from Biff's perspective, I thought was interesting. 
I, um, I actually, like, I like how, uh, Biff's gospel is just so human because mm-hmm. um, I think oftentimes and not getting into like any kind of religious debate or anything but yeah. like it it's hard to read the Bible because it feels so distant and it feels uh, to me at least like I don't know it was from a different time a different world like it al- it almost feels not unrelatable a- yeah unrelatable not yeah. applicable even though I know mm-hmm. it is like totally <laughs> but you know it, there's that disconnect whereas you read something like Christopher Moore and as ludicrous and funny and crazy as it is um he kept every like or he made everything very human and he made Joshua this very relatable messiah who's just trying to like he's a you know he's this, trying to figure he's it this out. preteen kid trying to figure out one he's you know going through puberty but two he's the messiah so yeah. he's like my dad told me that I couldn't drink my yeah. dad told me that I couldn't have sex he told me I couldn't do any of these things so Biff is like you know what man don't worry. Yeah. Like, I'll take care of all those things for you and just tell you about them. It's yeah, fine. that was my favorite, where it's like, you want me to sleep with all these, you know, mm-hmm. prostitutes and stuff like that. I think like that Joshua was, like, in the next stall over or yeah. something. Yeah, just for... like, how's it going? Yeah. And he's, like, shouting. He's like, yeah, it feels good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, yeah, that was a good scene, too. And it seems like Joshua's constantly saving the day. Biff, as human as he is and as, as human as Joshua is, Biff, you know, lets out a demon, and yeah. Biff, you know, is sleeping with the wrong concubine, and, you know, all hell breaks loose. It's <laughs> it's, it's just kind of about how this wonderful relationship between these two kids just continued over time, but, and Joshua is always there for Biff, even if the things that, you know, Biff is continually doing, you know, go completely against what Joshua thinks he should be doing as the Messiah. Yeah. He holds himself to a different standard. For sure. But there's a lot of temptation, too. You know, oh, like yeah. there's so much temptation that mm-hmm. Joshua is faced with. Um, and I like how they bring in, you know, different aspects of, you know, magic and sorcery. Mm-hmm. And like they, there's, you know, obviously as they're meeting all these wise men. Okay. And, Do you think more people would read the Bible if you got to read about like Tibet and India and yes. other places? That's so cool. Like it really is. And I think the Christopher Moore does a really great job with his prose because it's not necessarily conversational, but it, and it is, you know, has some sophisticated language. I would say this is like highbrow kind of satirical. Like there are a lot of people that who aren't, if you're not an avid reader, maybe you wouldn't be interested in this, but it still reads easier than like the, the these and thous that if you were yeah. reading like the New Testament, because that would stop a lot of people. Like, this is not how I talk, so yeah. why would I understand or listen if I have to interpret it? There's much less interpretation <laughs> that goes yeah. into reading Christopher more than the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, again, it becomes really relatable. Um, I'm going to go into one of my favorite yeah. jokes of the book, uh, and I bookmarked this page because I, um, it's a, and it's, I don't know, it's not like, the best joke in the world, but I giggled really hard. But it was, uh, so they were at Balthazar's at this okay. point, and it's Balthazar's concubines were eight in number, and their names were, and I'm going to read out these names because they're my favorite, <laughs> <laughs> Tiny Feet of the Divine Dance of Joyous Orgasm, Beautiful Gate of Heavenly Moisture Number 6, Temptress of the Golden Light of the Harvest Moon, Delicate per- Personage of Two Food Dogs Wrestling Under a Blanket, Feminine Keeper of the Three Tunnels of Excessive Friendliness, Silken Pillows of the Heavenly Softness of Clouds, Peapods in Duck Sauce with Crispy Noodle, and Sue. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I particularly liked the fact that Biff, who often spoke of the concubines in that chapter, um, never kind of, I don't feel like he ever abbreviated the names. Like, every time he would talk to Balthazar or Joshua about any of them, like, they would use the full name every single time, which yeah. I enjoyed very, very much. Yeah. And, like, I, I I actually think that's one of my favorite sections of the book is, you know, when they're going around doing the feng shui of the mm-hmm. house, and then yeah. eventually Joy is just like, I don't know how to do feng shui. She's, and she breaks down and... Uh, and basically confesses to Biff because they walk into a room and the whole time she had been like trying to do, um, you know, feng shui of the house and stuff. So that way it's perfect for Balthasar. And then Biff walks in and he's like trying to be all, I think the yang in this room is off. And then Joy just breaks down and confesses that she doesn't know anything about feng shui. <laughs> or I've heard it's pronounced feng shui. I'm not sure. Hmm. I'll be honest. Fun fact. Um, I have no idea. Reach out if you know how to pronounce that word. <laughs> We'll just be the two people in Los Angeles that are saying it feng shui, and uh, I don't remember where I heard that, just but and I don't know if they were pulling my leg, but mm. I liked the multiple illusions. A lot of them are Bible based, yeah. But as someone who in college, you know, definitely took the Bible as literature, um, I liked it when people like John the Baptist came in, and that Maggie was such a big character, and you know, there was this constant fighting of like who you're supposed to be he's like i know that this is who i'm destined to be i know what's gonna happen but he still like wanted to have all these experiences like as far as as far as favorite parts go uh i think i enjoyed it when i this was at balthazar's when joshua was like learning how to be invisible essentially yeah yes uh so so very 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 much enjoyable but i think really the childhood like i enjoyed their journey i enjoyed all of that but seeing like if you're reading the Bible and if you're, you know, seeing things like Jesus Christ Superstar, you're used to, like, Mary Magdalene being this, you know, like, oh, I'm so repentant, I was a prostitute, but now I'm just gonna serve Jesus and he's the way. Like, Maggie's character is just all fire. Like, she's like, you're being an idiot, what are you doing? Yeah. And the fact that you can tell that both of the boys are just so devoted to her. Yeah. But because Biff is like, hey, like, I can get married and I can do these things. He tries so much harder and she's like, oh, no. Like, yeah. sorry, no, that's not what I'm going to do. I enjoyed it. Just, oh. Yeah, yeah. And I also like the realness of even, you know, there were some moments where Joshua can't revive, you know, mm-hmm. that there's that failure. I, and I, I, maybe it was with the guard where he brought him back to life for like a second and then he died again. Yeah. And um, again, it, I just really enjoy... Um, how the entire book is him just learning how to be both uh, human and not human, you mm-hmm. know, like human and God. God. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that by making by making the choice to give uh, to call him Joshua instead of Jesus and use like the Hebrew version of his name, I think that helps a ton in humanizing because you're not constantly reading Jesus and Jesus and yeah. Jesus like you it. It shifts the yeah, it's Josh. It shifts the way that you're thinking about him, and to me that because it took away from that, you almost forget sometimes that it's like oh okay, I'm familiar with this story. Like I know exactly what's gonna happen at the end, and there are very few times when Biff gets serious, but those moments too are really really precious, especially you know coming toward the end of the book, which can be kind of unexpected. Uh, We don't really necessarily have to go into that very much because we can do spoilers. We don't have to tell you exactly how the book ends. 
but I think that this would be a nice addition to the New Testament of the Bible. (laughs) Me too. Um, Did you listen to this one or did you read it? I read it. I did not listen. Did you listen? Um, So, I mean, the first time I read it, I read it. Yeah. Um, And then when I was training for my last half marathon, I was listening to it because I wanted something comedic to, like, listen to on long runs. Does Christopher Moore read the book? No, but I thought it was hilarious because uh, they they did, like, music cues in this one. So I'd be, so it'd be going, I think it was, like, into Balthazar when they were traveling to different countries and stuff. It'd be, like, do-do-do-do, and, like, it would go, or it'd be playing um, just different music cues going into it. And I I laughed even at that, which I I hope it was a comedic (laughs) take on it. But I caught... I I enjoy, I think I would do this with other comedy books too, is read it and then also listen to it because the person who read it must have had good comedic timing because mm. I picked up jokes that time that I didn't necessarily read. Like one of them that I laughed out loud and I marked in was, um, so this is when Joy and Biff are running from, I think... The demon. The demon that yeah. he let out. And she's she says, just run. She pulled me along behind her, guiding us through the dark as she had before. Duck, she shouted, just a second after I realized that we'd enter the smaller passageway by using the sensitive stone ceiling sensing nerves in my forehead. <laughs> like, in, and when I first read that, you know, you kind of giggle or whatever, but when someone right. read it out loud to me, I, I was like, that's a joke. Like, that's a stand-up yeah. comic joke. Oh, like, yeah. I, I used my super <laughs> nerves in my forehead to sense that we went into a smaller hallway. So, I don't know. I, that was one time where, yes, I know on, like, the last podcast, I have nothing against audiobooks, but yeah. I, it's totally different from reading as well. Yeah, and, I, well, that's something, too, that some of the books that we have coming up on I, most of those I used a combo just because yeah. we do live in Los Angeles and there is a lot of driving and it it's easier, especially if you're doing both. Like we've, we've definitely talked about the nice little audible Kindle kind of pairing, oh, which is just, that's my favorite thing in the world. I did that with girl on train too, mm. on the train. Um, I, cause I was, you know, I had a two hour drive to the airport one day and so I listened to a bunch of chapters and then I came home and I finished the book that night. So it was, that's the bomb when they sink. <laughs> oh yeah. So this is just uh, Biff kind of talking to Raziel at one point. They're talking. Oh, I think the Wizard of Oz was on in the <laughs> hotel room or something. And so he says, "I think it would have." Sh- or um, <laughs> and okay. Anyways, uh, in fact, amid all the musical laments over not having a heart, a brain, or the nerve, did anyone notice that they didn't have a penis among them? I think it would have shown on the Lion and the Tin Man. And when the Scarecrow has his pants stuffed, you don't see a flying monkey waving. <laughs> Anyways, but his song was like, "I think I know what song I'd be singing." Oh, I, um, oh, I would while away the hours, winking in the flowers, my heart all full of song. I'd be gilding all the lilies and I'd wave about my willy if I only had a schlong. <laughs> and I know, it's a penis joke, it's lowbrow, I don't care, I still giggled because that's Biff. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's a, a very consistent character, too, you know, like, oh, yeah. um, and it's funny because he almost doesn't really have an arc. He, you know, he, he's, he's just the goofy um, he's there's little growth. He's the main character, but mm-hmm. he's the goofy sidekick the whole yeah. time. And I don't think you often see books like that either. Like it's just very smart writing. Like I, I that's true. I wouldn't consider him like a protagonist. I wouldn't. No. Con- I mean, he's not an antagonist either. But yeah, he's like a sidekick. He's the sidekick. He's but, there for the comedic, you know, timing. But it's just so funny that he is the main character mm-hmm. with that role in a book because, um, I mean, he he stays consistent the whole time through and. Really, it's all about Joshua's 
arc. Mm -hmm. But that being said, he's not the main character. So it's just, it's very clever. I like Christopher Moore a lot. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but when I was reading all of the hotel room scenes, all I could think of was that bit in the first Austin Powers movie where he's alone, like, in his hotel room and is kind of, like, learning about the 40 years that have passed since he's been frozen. So he's got, like, the Nike Airs that he's pumping up Mm -hmm. and he's listening to records and watching the news. And that's just what I thought of the whole time. I'm like, this is someone who is... I mean, essentially hasn't been around for 2,000 years. This book came out in 2002. So I think that was, the intent was that, I don't know if it has a date at the beginning, but that it was, you know, like the new millennium. And also there's, you know, the scene where he's just trying to get something from outside the hotel room because he's essentially locked in there with, you know, he's not really supposed to be reading the Bible, but he found one in, you know, the hotel drawer and then uh eventually he gets a map and but it's Mm -hmm. it's a it's like an airline map and so it's talking about frequent flyer miles and he's just very confused and he's like i I don't know it's just very comedic what he ends up finding and how he's trying to discover what's actually happening in the world now um okay so i had forgotten i was looking to see if there was a date at the beginning of the book and there's a line that says uh, he's introducing Joshua and explaining like, oh, you know, they, they changed the name to Jesus, but his name was Joshua. It says, I have no idea what the H in Jesus H Christ stood for. It's one of those things I probably should have asked him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. All right. That's pretty good. I'm interested in that. And I like how Christopher Moore as an author as well, he, he does have these kind of recurring characters. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's the demon keeping book. Um, I don't remember. Oh, uh, Practical Demon Keeping. Yeah, like, that's yeah. where the demon comes back, you know, mm-hmm. uh, after it gets released by Biff. And uh, I think even Joshua has a cameo in maybe Island of the Sequin Love Nun. I didn't read it. Uh, it's been a minute since I've read that book. But uh, I just like how you can, once you start reading Christopher Moore, you pick up a lot of different books in these different books. And I even think uh, A Dirty Job has some callbacks to some of these characters as well probably that one a dirty job i haven't read in years but i think they're on they just came out number three and i've read both of the sequels but the first one holds up that's the best one yeah blood sucking fiends takes place in the same universe in san francisco so there's probably something along the lines in there also i mean it might just be this demon that keeps coming back it's interesting too because for for a character that is really really frivolous you know, his ending specifically is really sudden and particularly tragic, I think, because of that. Because it seems like he's this, like, lighthearted character, the end that he comes to is, I don't know if it's more effective or it's, I was surprising to me. I wasn't expecting it. Like, I've, like, again, I've read the Bible. Like, I know what happens to Judas. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, well, that's what happens to Judas. Like, so I don't know if... That's why initially, like, if that was the explanation as far as, like, why Biff didn't get a gospel to begin with, like, mm-hmm. oh, you ha- you committed this cardinal sin. I mean, he's committed a lot of sins. Yeah, he's he's read the book. There are he, a lot yeah, of sins there. He commits every sin. <laughs> but for the sake of Joshua for, learning. Right, I mean, come on. He, absolutely. He essentially... Taking one for the no, team. Martyr. You know? like, <laughs> <laughs> who's the real... <laughs> real messiah here is is it biff i don't know i feel like josh was uh you know just trying to help jesus become jesus <laughs> biff was trying to josh. yeah josh become jesus <laughs> biff was trying, just trying to make that transition it's interesting too just because there is that kind of 
as much humor as Josh has, he still kind of is this stoic, like, this is my job. Yeah. And he continues That's to... true. All the humor happens kind of around Josh. And he's yeah. just, he's the one who's meditating. He's the one who's becoming mm-hmm. invisible. He's the one who's, you know, studying and practicing. And even when Biff is going through these ridiculous adventures, um, Josh... But I think that's, that's smart because it's... Um, I, I'm not, you know... I, I don't know how... Uh, <laughs> I'm treading lightly. I don't know how people view this book if they are very religious and very, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, but in a sense, the way Jesus is portrayed is, is, ju- is simply just a kid learning to be his best self. So in a sense, it, yes, it's fictional because of the Biff character and because of all the crazy shenanigans that happen, but... I think it was very smart to portray Joshua as this person who's learning to be the son of God, you mm-hmm. know? It's, um, he's very honorable, he's very smart, he's mm-hmm. very uh, devoted, he knows what his job is, and Biff is the one who's doing all the crazy stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things, too, that if you are someone, I, I think that if you're going to be offended by this book, you have to choose to be offended by yeah. it. Like, and that's something, again, like I said, I've recommended this book to many, many people. And some of those people are, you know, incredibly devout Christians yeah. who are very familiar with the Bible. And I've even said to them, like, it's funnier if you are familiar with yeah. the Bible, if you were aware, you know, about essentially like the plot line of this. Like, to if, on- Yeah. To be honest, if you haven't read the Bible or you're not super familiar with yeah. it or, you know, um, even the Torah or anything like yeah. that, um, it, it's almost a little bit harder to follow. But mm-hmm. when you know all of the stories and this is just the missing gospel, you can kind of take it for what it is and just be, this is it's, funny. I mean, it's satire. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's something that, again, it's, I promise we're not going to talk about in politics in every episode, but the non, everything has to be, you know, you can't offend anybody. Yeah. Like, I am all about using you know, appropriate language and trying to treat everyone, you know, you pronouns, all of those things, yeah. exactly how people want to be treated. However, if you're going to worry about recommending this book or reading this book because someone is going to be offended that Jesus is a character, then yeah. please don't read it. Yeah. Like, it's not for you. It's a joke. You can still have a relationship with Jesus or like God or yeah. consider yourself a an observant human and still like this book. It doesn't, it's, I don't think that it's sacrilegious. No, I don't think it's offensive. I don't think, I yeah. think, uh, like, again, I think it was very smart writing in mm-hmm. the sense that Biff was, Biff is a created character uh, next to a very um, likable, respectable Joshua, mm-hmm. you know? And so you can laugh at Biff and you can, you know, laugh at all, all of, um, the stuff he does for Jesus, for yeah. Joshua, you know? And I don't know. I, yeah. And I think it's a great opportunity, this book, for diving into the personality of a historical figure. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to call Jesus, just for this intense and purpose. Um, because of the fact that the Bible is the primary documentation of who Jesus is, what he did, you know, whereas you got a bunch of different writings on Julius Caesar. Like, it it was smart to fill in these gaps in just in the personality and the shenanigans that Jesus has, Joshua has in his life 
as opposed to Christopher Moore being like, you know what, I'm gonna write a book and it's gonna be about, yeah, like Julius Caesar or Napoleon. Mm -hmm. Like, there's too much that we already know about those people. Like, we know about Jesus's deeds and we know about where he was born and where he died and what he did. But, and, and that, you know, he told everyone to love one another and he was a kind human and but this kind of gives us more of an insight. So even the premise, I think, is just so clever. Yeah. Like, let's take someone we already know, but fill but in the... But, really. but not really. But yeah. also fill in the blank of what no one's ever given us. Yeah. So, and like you said, mm-hmm. when you know someone's whole life story, when if you've read, which at some point we will be reading, like, a biography and things yeah. like that on the podcast, but... Mm-hmm. Um, when you read that, they kind of give you a from born till now, like, rundown of their life, of everything right. that's happened. Well, we don't have that of Jesus. So to be a fiction writer and be like, I'm going to fill in those gaps, I think that's so smart. Also, I'm really interested, and this is not a que- this is a question that, like, I'm sure that I would have to go to, like, dozens of years of new college in order <laughs> to get my answer. Yeah. But why don't we have that information? Like, I, I'm I'm fine yeah. using this as my supplementary. Like, I'd like to think of it in my head as like, okay, so Jesus was born, and yeah. then he went on all these adventures with Biff, and then he came back, and he met John the Baptist, yeah. and, you know, he walked around with his apostles, etc. But, why, I, I, why, yeah, I... Why I is there of, no writing on his preteen it? teenage yeah, You know, I... Because, you know what, I'm sure it's really ordinary. I'm sure that he did just, you know... He grew up. (laughs) He grew up. He was a typical kid learning how to be a carpenter. Yeah. But I'm pretty okay if I do think about this. And you know what, if... If Jesus is how I think he is, I bet he'd find this amusing. Yeah, so. and I, I bet he'd, I bet he'd have, you know, yeah, exactly. I think he'd be totally. <laughs> I'd like to see. Into I'd like to see the, <laughs> the God edits. Like, yeah, there'd be a lot of, a lot of little asides in this book, if it was divinely edited. Yeah. Oh man, it, it's charming. I think on top of everything too, like, you get the funny, you get the satirical, but. And I, we definitely want to hear all of your opinions. I want to know, even even if you did think it was offensive, I'm sorry for yeah. recommending this. However, I don't, I don't know. It, Just, again, I think it's one of those books where I, um, it, it it would definitely be a choice to be offended by it. Yes. You know, because I again, it, if we're talking, it I don't find it sacrilegious at all. No, I, mean, I know we already said this, but no, um, but I just. I think it's just very clever fictional writing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I can absolutely think of people in my head that would be offended by reading this. Yes. So if you, seriously, please don't. Just don't save but, yourself. Yeah. Skip this skip this yeah. episode. Move to the next one if if that is the choice that you're going to make. But, um, but yeah, you're I, missing out on some really charming characters. And, and at least go check out other Christopher Moore books. Yes. I think he's a very relatable writer in general. Um, I'm, I know we already mentioned a few, but I've read, I've personally read Fluke, mm-hmm. Island of Sequin Love Nun, Dirty Job, um, uh, Practical Demon Keeping, uh, Lamb. Fool? I haven't read Fool, okay. and I haven't read Sacred Blue either. Okay, Fool, uh, and maybe that should be another thing that we put on here. Fool is an interesting one because, and we won't make this a whole Christopher Moore podcast, but we totally could because all of those <laughs> books are so good. Um, Fool is essentially King Lear. Again, something that people find really challenging to read and kind of decipher and understand from the fool's perspective. Mm-hmm. And he, that is when a foul language offends you, don't read that book because the fool's mouth and his little, uh, 
puppet pocket <laughs> or he's pocket now i gotta reread it again we're gonna have to do it on well, here that's fine i um, need to read that one but fool is followed up by the serpent of venice and they're both kind of similar characters. Yeah. Oh, the, those and they've are the got, two I haven't read. They've yeah. got like Shakespearean tie-ins. Othello is one of the characters. It's you know what'd be fun excellent. is if we did Shakespeare and then we did like one of those Christopher Moore books. Oh, I'd be down for that. That sounds like a college compare and contrast paper. <laughs> I enjoy it. That's fine. <laughs> I'm That's not talking you if you're a lit professor. Uh, the, those are the easiest papers to write. Keep giving them to your students. Yes. Um, those and film-based ones. Gosh, I bet my students would love it if I gave them papers like that to write but um that and sacre bleu which is Mm -hmm. really really cool i just got back from paris and it made me want to read that book (laughs) again yeah humble humble brag but seriously it's all about the the painters of like the 1890s in paris so i went to um i'm also gonna do a humble brag (laughs) i went to paris a couple years ago and every time i see a movie or read a book that's set there it just i'm like i want to go back it's so beautiful oh man i could live there it was it was just enchanting yes anyway (laughs) (laughs) i do not necessarily want to live in the setting of this book in any of the settings actually like it was great because uh christopher moore's a pretty vivid writer not necessarily so much with setting, more with characters. He's, mm-hmm. he, I don't want to say he doesn't bother with setting as much, but it seems as if he's way more into the characterization and kind of getting that, like, whole person as, like, and, like, a Dickens, where it's like, yeah. let me just talk about this brick wall for three pages. And I, I appreciate that because I don't mind books, but mm-hmm. when it gets to, you know, five pages of In the Grass Blue, yeah, no, I, after a while, I'm just like, I just want to know what's happening in the grass. <laughs> I am an avid reader, and I have been able to get through a total of two Charles Dickens books because yeah. that's how he writes, and it's just, he loses me. Yeah. Um, I definitely appreciate the amount of character development or yeah. character, like just the amount of description that goes into characters in general in his books. I feel like, I feel like I could be best friends with Biff and I feel like that in a lot of the books that I've read by Christopher Moore. I feel like I would not be as stoic as Joshua, which could be problematic. Like, yeah. I know that if I was friends with Biff, I would be getting into some crazy trouble that I should not be doing he would be a terrible influence on me my resolve is not as strong you know what my resolve guys is not as strong as Jesus could you imagine what (laughs) so weird crazy but uh, along throughout the podcast we will definitely have one more Christopher Moore episode just because it's oh it's just so good when you find an author that I could pretty much say just go into a bookstore and buy any of his books yeah I feel like that's rare because I have favorite books and I have some favorite authors, but mm-hmm. everyone has a hit or miss. And while I could probably rank Christopher Moore books, you know, to a certain degree, um, I don't think there's one that I think I would say don't read that one, you know? Yeah. I would consider it kind of highbrow humor without being pretentious. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, penis, penis joke. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, penis jokes, <laughs> not exactly highbrow. But there are plenty in there that you can find. And it's like you, if I were to say like, oh, well, you know, this book is about, you know, 19th century painters and yeah. this book is a Shakespearean classic, you might be like, what did they do on How I Met Your Mother? like every time ted says something pretentious i'm sorry you you might say that my dog just got scared by that (laughs) he's like what are you doing but it doesn't make it hi ollie but that doesn't make it it it, it isn't pretentious like you 
if you're some, again, if you're looking to be offended, you're gonna get offended by a lot of things. Like, just don't. Just go through life and yeah, enjoy the joke. That's what I would say. I would consider a lot of this book, okay, maybe not as far on physical comedy as like a Monty Python or a Holy Grail, but I think that if Monty Python and the Holy Grail was about Jesus <laughs> and not finding the Grail, that some of the shenanigans in this book would be very similar. So if I you, see if, that, yeah. yeah. So if you like that kind of humor, yeah, because a, a lot, it, I, yeah, maybe I would consider it British humor. Then this book, I, he, Christopher Moore is not British. I believe he is from San Francisco. Yeah, a lot of his books are based in San Francisco, but he's uh, kind of seems like a kooky weird dude that I'd really be interested in meeting. That, so, Chris Ramore, yeah, you want to um, come and be on an episode? Yeah, shout yeah, out. Let us know. Um, yeah, I'd love that. I'd be, <laughs> That'd be so I'd be, cool. Oh. Um, we make some pretty good cocktails, which, by the way, yes. I'm done with my... I drink mine a little too quick, and you're not quite I'm done not with quite yours. <laughs> well, I was drinking my Key Lime LaCroix. You know, I'm trying to balance. That's what you got to do, folks. Shh. You got to balance your water this and your martinis. This podcast is called a Drunk <laughs> Poet Society, and I feel like I'm taking one for the team here, please. <laughs> um, I I'll think, try harder. Although I, um, I have to admit, I think I balanced mine even a little bit better than I balanced your martini oh, there. Oh, thank you. Thanks like, so much. Next she, time we're just going to shake them together. So. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think I, uh, well, we made hers, but hers was the experimental yeah. cocktail this episode. But I, I mean, it turned out pretty good. We're trying to branch out. So also, um, while we do take book recommendations, we'd love to hear from you in terms of your reviews of the books we're reading or things you'd like to see future. We also take recommendations for like cocktails and things like cocktails, that too. Cocktails, beer, wine, we really don't discriminate. Um favorites i would say would be gin vodka and tequila yeah i like tequila um, i mean for the sake of a book yeah i obviously last last you know time we had a whiskey cocktail for the sake of a book i would drink a rye or for the rum. sake of a book to be honest for the sake of a book i would drink just bad <laughs> like I, I i'll give it a go i'm not gonna say I'll, yeah, like and true. you know i don't have to like it just like a book if we choose a book that we don't like that's okay too we can still yeah, discuss it so um true. i'm open to all recommendations uh please be kind please don't do like shots or anything and oh, no. puns are highly encouraged yes oh book puns we we were just talking before this episode about how I need to break out my uh, cocktail book that is Tequila Mockingbird. Yeah, I and pulled out my Gone with the Gin, but it's mostly movie puns. You know, we could we, we oh no, never mind. I was gonna say we could read Gone with the Wind, but that is a that's like a two monther. Yeah, like, but let's like, not do another episode for two months, and we'll just read Gone with the Wind. Yeah, I'll, and then we'll get we'll get that. Or we could break oh. that up with like comics. <laughs> I think what's do you think? Do you think that there's a, a graphic novel of Gone with the Wind? No, but I was gonna say like if we're reading Gone with the Wind, I can bust out a graphic novel simultaneously. Oh, that's true. Which, by the way, okay, now I'm just breaking into a whole new segment oh, before we wrap up. If you guys <laughs> haven't read Lock and Key and you're into uh, graphic novels, there, I believe Netflix picked it up and it's gonna be a series on Netflix too. But it is a fantastic graphic novel. Um, that was recommended to me by my boyfriend, <laughs> and uh, and it's really creepy. Don't read it at night with all the lights out. Uh, but it's a it's a, a really spooky, really well written and illustrated graphic novel. Lock and key. Check it out. Check it out. Find your local library. There's not. I know we've talked about this before, yeah. and I love owning books. I have far too many. I need to learn how to let go of them. But I've been so much better about checking things out from the mm -hmm. library. And generally, everyone's local libraries have apps for downloads. You can get Kindle books. You can reserve books, and they'll ship them to your local branch if your city has, 
you know, multiple locations like mm-hmm. Los Angeles does there, you know, LA public libraries are everywhere. LA public libraries are awesome. D- yeah. Get an e-library card. Yes. That's my unsolicited And I'm sure week. wherever you are that that is something that exists. It has to be. Yes. Um, do you have any recommendations for this week since I gave unsolicited advice? Any recommendations? Um, yeah. Read a book. Read every day. Listen to a book. Yeah. Put it on your phone. Nobody cares about the judgment. We were actually just at a party this weekend and someone was like, if I wake up early and I'm on my phone, like, don't think that, that I'm just scrolling through Instagram. Like, I'm really reading a book. Like, the fact, uh, it just brought up, like, our last yeah. episode, the fact that I was like, when I see someone on a train, I'm like, I really hope, hope they're reading a yeah, book. Yeah, I hope they're reading. Um, so just do it every day. Also, I'm other uh, quick recommendation. If you're reading or, or listening to a very intense book in the car and you feel unsafe driving, please then turn it off. Because I, yeah. I, I was listening to, uh, I forget which book, but I was listening to a very intense book when I was driving to the airport um, the other day. And I was at a point where I was like, I'm not really paying attention to what I'm doing. I should probably put on some music. <laughs> so also be smart about your audiobook. Be smart about your audiobook. No, that's a really good one, too. The good thing about audiobooks, too, and I don't know if this is something you do, I do this with audiobooks and with podcasts, is try it during your workout. So if you're having a hard time keeping up with your cardio and you're like, I really don't want to go on a run. Well, I really don't want to go on a run outside right now because it's about 100 degrees outside. But if you really are not feeling it, pop in a podcast, pop in your, an audiobook, and it will make your, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes, however long so you want to be doing your cardio, go so quickly. And sometimes you even go a little bit longer just to finish the chapter. <laughs> Which is really, really interesting. I like running outside, so I'll find that I'll run a distance and then be like, oh, well, I need to run back home. Yeah. And sometimes I'll just, I won't turn around fast enough. So I'm like, well, uh, I guess I'm running six miles today instead yeah. of five. Yeah. Well, that's what I did with Lamb is I, w- I would listen to it on um, like long hikes and things like that. Mm. Uh, because I love, for me, it has to be something really engaging. So it either has to be suspenseful or it has yeah. to be like funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and other books I can listen to all the time. But if I'm working out, I want something that I'm engaged in that I want to, it has to be a page turner, even though yeah. I'm listening to it. <laughs> Well, and before we leave you, uh, we should introduce... Oh, wait, first we have to rate this book. Oh, we gotta rate the book. We we gotta rate the cocktail, too. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed my cocktail. Um, it's not probably a regular for me, uh, but that being said, it it was nicer than I think I expected when we, <laughs> when we were looking up cocktails. I like the gin. I liked the lemon juice. I don't think I needed as much triple sack. No, I think that's where it lost me too, because I tend to, if I'm getting a gin martini, I go dry gin martini with a twist, which essentially has everything else that we put in this cocktail except the triple sack. So I think the sweetness, maybe less. Try it with less, guys. Yeah, less. less. Um, Because otherwise then it is just essentially a martini and we were trying to... Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could sub it for, for Blue Carousel if you wanted. They kind of have similar flavor. Your color might become purpley. That could be fun. Yeah. All right. I support that. But just still use less. It's so, just I as mean, sweet. I'll rate it a pretty, a pretty good cocktail. Yeah. How are we rating things today? Okay, the book um, could be out of, um, I don't know, there was... 12 disciples. I was going to say, <laughs> so it'll be out of 12. Dis- how, how many disciples how many do you disciples? rate this book? I would give this book 12 disciples. I love this book. I've read it three times and I will tell everyone, well, maybe not everybody. I will tell lots of people yeah. to read this book. I'm going to give it 11 disciples out 11 of 12 disciples. and only because there are certain people that I wouldn't recommend this book to. And, yeah. it, and it's not because I don't like this book, but I feel like a 12 disciple book <laughs> would be one that <laughs> I could recommend to everyone. And I love Christopher Moore and I love Lamb. You would like and, shout this book uh, from 
Mount Sinai and be like, read this book. Read this book, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, fantastic book. Pretty good yes. cocktail. Um, Would you consider this your favorite Christopher Moore book? That's a tough one. I, it wasn't the first one I read, and I feel like sometimes your first is just so memorable. <laughs> Um, I really like. I think I read A Dirty Job first. I think I read A Dirty okay. Job first, yeah. and I really liked that book. I but... borrowed your sister's copy of A Dirty Job, uh, so it <laughs> was probably yeah, around it was the probably same like time. mine, or it was Casey's. I don't yeah. know. I think that's been around uh, our yeah, family. It's gotten around. Um, so I think that was the first one I read. Oh. I really enjoyed uh, Fluke as well, mm-hmm. um, and but I mean, this is up there. This is probably two or three if I had to rank them, but I need to go through all the ones I've read so far. I would like to do a job. I also really liked, uh, Practical Demon Keeping. Mm -hmm. I read that while I was traveling around Europe, so maybe there's just, like, awesome, like, magic there. Yeah, good vibes with that Mm -hmm. one. (laughs) Um, let's see, as far, are we doing Disciples on the Cocktail also? Sure. I think I would give about, or no, wait, wait, let's do it, uh, out of three wise men. Oh, three wise men, then I, then I'm gonna give it a two. Two wise men, on my Joshua I'll give Martini. it a two and a half. Um, two and a half wise men. <laughs> two and a half wise men. Um, Which one are you like cutting in half? half? Men. <laughs> no, it's just like a younger wise man. Oh, <laughs> it's like two and a half men. It's two yeah, and a half yeah. wise men. Okay. It's like two wise men and a wise boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling this one. Yeah, as you yeah, can yeah. Tell. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All I right. think this is the toastiest I've been <laughs> on this podcast so far. I say... Yeah, no, no. I, I would add, I would drink this again. You know, two thirds. That's not so bad. Yeah. Like, that's really close to one. That's more, closer to one than you know, like one half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that triple sec just. Yeah. I, I don't like sweet cocktails. I'm not a super sweet person either, yeah. if, and that's why I didn't give it a full three. Is I yeah. if I changed it and either diluted the triple sec, mm-hmm. left it out, and just did a squeeze of orange, mm-hmm. like just like a squeeze. Of, it was like okay. a twist of lemon and orange, and then did everything else the same. I'd probably be. Um, yeah, we hope that you enjoyed this episode of Christopher Moore's Lamb, and that you will join us next time when we will be discussing The Handmaid's Tale yes. by Margaret Atwood. Yes. Which is a, very interesting because they just finished season two mm-hmm. on Hulu. Yeah. And the first season is the book. So Yeah, I you, just I just finished season one on Hulu. Yeah. So if you it's it's gonna be interesting. Uh kind of that's something that we can compare. Yeah. You know, we're not gonna give you any spoilers for the series for season two, you know, that Especially, has nothing yeah, to do with the book. Also because I haven't seen it. <laughs> I will try and not give any yeah. <laughs> spoilers for season two. Um, but we hope that we see you next time. And remember, it's not drinking alone if you have a book. <laughs> see you next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>